is giving them different names, different wake words. Yeah. And then if you say A-L-E-X-A, everybody in the house doesn't go off at once. Oh, I know. And we talk to yeah. each other on the phone and we'll mention it and yeah. then our own yeah. Yeah. response is just wild. So well anyway, I, I'm Mary <laughs> I'm Mary Highland. Yeah, introduce yourself. I, I'm sorry. I, I live in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And um boy, I, I've had some hard acts to follow here. Um, I, I had a very humble beginning with my writing. I wrote a few pieces for dialogue magazine a hundred years ago. And, um, (laughs) then my, um, I think that the, the one that I have been most, most proud of was my article in red book that was in 1974. Um, and that was about being a blind mother Mm -hmm. and, um, it's good to have a mentor in your life, someone who who kicks you in the pants and says, you're a good writer. You should write. You should send in an article to such and such a magazine. And that's what happened is that my Aunt Lynn was my mentor. Mm. Well, then many years went by and um, I wrote after I retired, I did a lot of writing in my job, which is director of volunteers, newsletters and stuff like that. And I wrote um, a memoir after my mother passed away. I helped move her while I was her advocate and the, the main person in getting her moved from Southern Indiana to Columbus, Ohio to um, uh, an assisted living situation. And she was 94 at the time and she basically went kicking and screaming, but we, you know, with the help of my daughter and my son, but mostly my daughter, we got her there. And so I wrote a book about the um, uh, adjustments that we both had to make and the lessons that my daughter and I learned from that experience and it's called the bumpy road to assisted living and it is on Bard. Then I wrote um, a strictly autobiographical memoir about my life as a blind person because so many people have said, Oh, you do so many interesting things. You should write a book. And, and I kept poo-pooing the idea because I hadn't climbed Mount Everest or sailed across the ocean by myself or anything, you know, fantastic. But they seem to think that the everyday things that we do as blind people are amazing. And so I wrote about the different aspects of my life. It wasn't a chronological autobiography was just you know one chapter devoted to ski for light another chapter devoted to toastmasters another chapter devoted to um you know college another you know being um, a mother and a grandmother and there's so no on. chapter devoted to me <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know if you're in it 
<laughs> so no, there. Actually, there's it's one reference, and it's kind of disparaging. So, oh, <laughs> oh, you'll have to point that out to me, and I apologize. I'll apologize now for whatever. All right, it was. I'm over it. I'm over it. Oh, good, <laughs> good. No, obviously yeah. you're not, <laughs> since you remember it and I don't. But anyway, I can't remember uh, what it was. If that helps, what was it? I don't remember. That's what I mean. Oh, you don't. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Something like you say something like, "My friend Deborah would say blah 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 blah," but it's kind of like she's full of crap. You know, you don't say that. that (laughs) Oh, I, I know there were a couple of references I made that 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 I that I used you as a good example. Uh, I mean, like. Like not being treated like a package when you're yeah. flying. I know, you know, but I don't think I don't think you. You know what? I need to get. I only I listened to it. I li- you sent it to me. You know, in a word document review beforehand, and I yeah. read it, and then I listened to the Bard version to see how they did it. And but I oh. need I need like a text so I can search it and say, hey, look at this. What do you mean by this? I, I know, but actually, Bard didn't do that one. That's the one that I'm having trouble getting on Bard. But my, oh, mo- my I must have oh, Kindle. It was Kindle. Alexa read it. To oh me. yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That was how I read it. Okay. Yeah. So All right. okay, we'll, the last, we'll, we'll stop. The last you thing that I friends a long time. <laughs> the last thing that I got published was in an online magazine newsletter. I don't know exactly what it's called. Um, what the category is, is called Next Avenue. And they put out a call for people to write about their lives, people over 50, who apparently are considered elderly. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, how their previous lives helped them deal with the pandemic. So, I, and it was supposed to be 500 words or less. So I did that and, and I made it. So I was one of 12 out of hundreds of entries, as they said. So I'm, and you I'm proud read of that. that to nice. us last yes, month. Right? I yes, I did. Right. Very nice. Very nice. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, one thing that just came to me as in when with Mary talking about that contest in in the early days for me it was so hard to find out about um opportunities, contests, uh the guidelines. You know, there are thousands and thousands of magazines and I kind of figured out early on that magazines were going to be the best way to break in, to establish um, some credibility. And, and, but every magazine has its own voice. And so I would read the only magazines I could get my hands on in Braille. Actually, that was a whole other chapter in my life. I was in a lawsuit defending Playboy magazine in 1984, I think. Um, because it was one of the magazines that I read to study the the magazine market. And um, it was uh, temporarily 
put on hold by the, the, the Braille production thereof due to a um, crazy politician who was from my own state, from your own city, Mary. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so, um, but who was, but who was I, that? Chalmers Wiley. Oh, you, oh, okay. Do you remember all this? No. I don't think we knew each other yet. Well, we might not have. Or if we did, we weren't like talking all the we time. We weren't as close. Yeah, it was a big deal. There's, um, anyway. Uh, so what I would do then was I would, I had one favorite reader who got the hang of looking at this stuff with me and we'd go to the library and we'd get writer's market, which at the time writer's market is like the freelance writer's Bible. It's huge. And it comes out every year. And back then it cost more money than I could afford. So we'd go to the library and I would, she would just read and read and read. And I would take Braille notes about magazine X here's the address, here's the editor's name, here's what they want, here's what they pay. And and that's how I got started was studying. But now, in case any of you don't know, for the last, gosh, I don't know, maybe 10 years, um, Writer's Market is online. And I haven't looked at it for a while, but it's fairly accessible. Mm -hmm. And it's it's wonderful, actually. Yes, I'm sorry, Marcia, what? Yes, it is actually accessible. Yeah. In fact, um, I'm looking at you know, places, you know, once I really get my stuff going, you know, to get my little science fiction piece published. Uh-huh. Exactly. It's so, I mean, okay, you know, I hate to sound like, you know, the old grandparent who went and walked to school five miles each way mm -hmm. and and all that crap but I do feel like that sometimes when it comes to this stuff about writing because there was nothing available to me the only I could get writer magazine on flexible discs which was such and Helen I think you're too young to remember flexible discs oh but, I'm 60 yeah. are you really <laughs> Boy, I can't remember, oh my God. I remember them oh yeah I thought you were like 30 no kidding Oh, oh my God. God. I'm just, I'm oh just really God. immature for my age. Yeah, me too. Uh -huh. me too. But I thought you were Kim's age and Kim is like 40, 30. Oh, yeah. No, oh, I remember those. God awful age too, I well, oh, anyway. Yeah, I remember those too. Oh, <laughs> Lord. Oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, so, um, but, but, um, yeah, so I would get the writer on flexible discs, but you couldn't, they didn't spell anything then. Now they do a little better, oh, uh -huh. um, but they didn't spell anything. And, you know, on a flexible disc, you hear one, you think, oh, that sounds good. You got to back it up. How do you back it up? You pick up the arm, you back, the knee on, you back it up. Maybe you uh -huh. get it right. You get a scratch in the record, you know, whatever. Gosh. So, yeah, all this online stuff is really great. And um, I... Uh, I, I heard from a friend today that I haven't heard from for a while. And she asked me what I'm doing. And I just kind of impulsively wrote back. I'm working and I don't want to be because I want to be working on what I'm not supposed to be. You know, I, I now that I know how to access these other things, I want to write what nobody's told me to write. So anyway, that's, that's my story. But um, nice. anyway, so. And Mary, you know, I've, I don't think I've ever said this to you, but I've thought it a couple of times when you brought up that red book. 
I don't someday. Here's what I think. When I was going to the library with Emily in 1977, 1978, 79, which is around when I, when I got started, was around 79. I remember my friends saying to me, you should write about being a blind mom. You know, you're so good at this. You figured out all this stuff. And I remember Emily and I going to the library and looking up blind mothers. And I bet we read your essay. I bet you did. I don't remember it. And so what I'm thinking, and you know, one of my big publications I was really proud of was an essay about being a blind mother when Caitlin was born that I got in Women's Day in 1990. So someday we should get together, get them both out, drink a whole lot of wine. (laughs) (laughs) Because our views might not be the same is what I'm saying. (laughs) We it might be really funny. I know. Yeah. I know. Anyway, so um, so Mary, did you bring anything tonight to read? I did not. So Marsha, you're like yeah. the star. I was going to read something and I can't get it to copy, so I can't read it. But um I it might have been miserable, but um <laughs> In fact, I'll tell you all what it was because, so, you know, all these years, I have just been all over the map. I've usually had like 10 projects going simultaneously at any given time because if you're going to make a living doing this stuff, that's mm-hmm. that works unless you're really brilliant and you land a job with the New Yorker right away, you know? So, um, yeah. so that's kind of how it's worked for me. So, some, a lot of things I have found in the last couple of years in reviewing old hard drives and stuff or boxes of paper publications, I forgot a lot of things that I worked on. So, um, but one thing I didn't forget is 20 years ago, this woman who was deaf, first she contacted a guy at National Science Foundation and she wanted to collaborate with him. (coughs) He wasn't a very good writer, so she bailed on him and asked him to recommend somebody else and he recommended me. Her idea was, she did a proposal, she got an agent, she got a publisher. So this was a real opportunity. And the idea was to write a dual memoir with a blind person and a deaf person that we would alternate chapters. And um, I today found the folder with my sample chapters and her some of our email and boy, it was heated, it was ugly. Because, well, because she she had her view of disability and mm-hmm. I had mine and they didn't mesh. And I just basically mm-hmm. said, I can't participate because hers was like, you know, woe is me. Life is miserable. You know, the whole Job thing. Yeah. And I was like, it's, you know, challenge is opportunity. Mm-hmm. I mean, and she she would not believe when I wrote my first chapter and that when I lost my sight, I was five and I was never sad and I was never scared and I was never mad. I was just glad to go home. <laughs> and she couldn't believe that. She basically <laughs> called me a liar. Like, how could that be? Well, that's just the way it was, you know? So um, anyway, but I found that chapter today and we, we parted and not, um, not well. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I, I wished her well. I don't know if she ever found somebody to do it. I don't think she did because I never saw a resulting book, which is too bad because she had, you know, she had the holy grail. She had the agent and the publisher yeah. and the whole nine yards. But I wasn't willing to sell my soul. You know, I wasn't willing to be that. I wasn't to fit into her book. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I'd forgotten about that chapter and I read some of it today and I thought, ah, I don't know that there's got details in it that I'd almost forgotten, but I really, so next time I want to read some of it because I really want some honest feedback. Maybe it's the wrong approach that's the only time I've ever done anything uh, that was like a memoir was that chapter. And um, I don't know, it's, it's maybe too, when I was reading it today, I thought it's kind of boring. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> it might be boring to you, but to the general public, it might be good. I know. That's why I really. Want and I want to hear, I, I'd like to, I'd like to hear your argument. I'd like to hear those letters. Oh, yeah. Reading them today was painful. I just found part of it. Was it? It was painful because, you know, she's, well, she came and visited me too. And that was when I knew this isn't going to work because, Mm -hmm. you know what? Okay. So I think I know enough about each of you to know that you are not blind people in denial. You're blind people who know you're blind. And her thing was she was a deaf person in denial. She kept saying that because she had a cochlear implant, she could hear, but she came to visit me and she never knew I was even talking to her unless she was looking at me. Uh-huh. Wow. So if I, I turned my back or she turned her back and I said something, it was so frustrating. And she was sighted though, right? She was fully sighted, sighted. Deaf, and had mm-hmm. a cochlear implant and she was convinced that with her cochlear implant, she had normal hearing. Well, she didn't. She didn't hear squat. <laughs> so anyway, that's okay. interesting. Okay. How, and then, how long can I ask? How long do our meetings last? Is there a particular timeline? Say say that again, Becky, because you're how kind long, of. How long does this meeting last? Is there I, when I was looking at the, I think we were back and forth in email and so forth for close to a year. No, no, I'm asking. No, she means an hour. Yeah, we usually go for an hour. Sometimes we go over. There is nothing cast in stone, but we usually kind of cut it off after about an hour. Um, So, which means Marsha's the only one with something to read. I better not. I'll read something when Marsha's done. Oh, you do have something. Oh, okay. I, I could, yeah. Oh, good. Really? So, okay, well, let's get on with the show. On yeah. Festivities. Marcia, are you ready? You got yes, to- I am. Okay. And- the scene starts out with a person and dog. The dog is black and he has a U-shaped harness. The grass surrounding the outdoor scene is a bright green. The woman is holding the dog's head in her lap, and he is contentedly lying there, seeming to take in a tranquil scene at one with the green grass and in his own way 
thanking the universe that he is now on his way to his forever home. Suddenly, his tail starts wagging. His ears are up at the tip, one ear being a jet black and the other one being a sort of light brown. Suddenly, the voice of his trainer is heard. He is wearing a yellow blazer and pink polka-dotted pants. The dog wags excitedly, his tongue lolling around in his mouth with perfectly shaped white teeth. Little did this woman know that she would be in the adventure of her life. The trainer calls to the woman. Emma? Yes, I'm here. The woman puts down the knitting on which she had been working. Harness up. You are going to have a little piece of technology that will help you throughout your life. She couldn't imagine what that would be. She had her indoor-outdoor GPS system, a computer with a screener to proofread any work she might be doing, a braille display to prove her work, her phone with a speech program so she could navigate the touch screen. What else could be in store? Emma, come with me. Hey, Mr. Bristol, hold your horses. I can see this man isn't a person you want to keep waiting. She puts her knitting in her bag, harnesses up the dog, and begins to follow him. He leads her into a room behind a wall. She is told to be seated. You have been chosen to receive a device that will help you throughout your life. Emma, he tells her, you have been valiant above all others in this class. You have been found worthy to receive the newest of all packages of technology, the iTron. The woman stands with her mouth open. What in the name of all that's holy is that? This is a computer with screen reader, GPS software, and even a refreshable braille display that also comes with the device. Knowing that you are a heavy user for braille display, I... <clears throat> Uh, let's see. I'm trying to <laughs> I, I figured, see what happens. I have to, uh, sometimes I have to maximize the stupid window before I can actually do anything here. It's okay. I'd throw that in for no extra cost because of your worthiness. She couldn't figure out what she had done to prove her worthiness to receive such a priceless gift. She cast about in her mind what she might have done. Was at that time, I encouraged a 
fellow classmate who was discouraged? Did it happen when a first-time student had trouble understanding how to harness his dog? Was it the time I helped a young college student use her technology to get assignments done after the training day was over? Why, I do that in the normal course of things. That's just what I do. <clears throat> As if guessing what was going on in Emma's mind. He said, because you have done these things without thought of your own convenience, you are found worthy to receive this prized of all technical packages. What must I do to receive it? Come with me. Emma follows the trainer into another part of this room. A woman in white addresses her. Emma, welcome to the elite society of those found valiant. Congratulations on this signal honor. Because of this, you will be assigned another valiant person who has received this technology. He will teach you how to use it effectively. You come from a long line of valiant souls found worthy, but the ITRAN was not yet available. You're privileged to be one of the first to receive it. In order to install the computer and software, you will have a procedure where this device's transmitter will be placed in the back of your mouth. It won't interfere with eating or speaking. Uh, you can then tap anywhere on your lips, cheeks, lips, or chin to bring up the various software programs. You will get documentation that will tell you where to find other apps that you might want to load into the iTran. You will be given light sedation while this is being implanted. After about four to six weeks in the convalescent unit while you heal, you will be turned over to Ben, who will be your instructor and mentor. And that's the end of chapter one. And to hear the next chapter, you get to come back. You've written the next chapter though, right? Yes. Oh, good. Okay. I was going to say, well, if you haven't, you know, in having a, a deadline is always good, so coming back to us. So, um, yeah, well, what do you all think? Well, I never would have imagined that something that, she, you know, when the instructor said she'd get something technological and wonderful, I kept thinking, huh, how did that happen? Was it from a donor? I don't mean donor as an organ donor. I mean, a donor as in Money. Yes. Benefit. Yeah. So that really got me wondering. And so I was intrigued by that part, by what happened. <clears throat> I 
wanted more. Um, she was so, she was a little too, um, uh, what do you say? Agreeable, subordinate for me. Uh, yes, but in the next chapter, you will find out how insubordinate she really is. Because like I wanted her to say, well, what if I don't want it? You know, so I'm worthy. What is it? Tell me about it before I say okie doke. Right, you know, yeah. right. Open wide. The next chapter, you're going to find out how insubordinate, how uh, lack oh, of subordination she really has. Oh, good. This is, okay. this, is the, this is just the first chapter, and it leads up to why she isn't as subordinate as you at first think. And your professor specifically told you to write something science fiction, right? Well, she told me to, uh, you know, um, write something in a different genre than what I am used to writing, which is, you know, usually essay pieces and stuff yeah. like that. Uh -huh. And so that's what got me to, and we had to do what they call um, uh, descriptions of different sounds and this and things like that and descriptions of color. And I went with what they call my color prompt, which was describing the woman and her guide dog and his perfectly shaped white teeth and, and one ear brown and the other black and, right. and, and that kind of thing, you know. Okay. So I was writing that and I decided to use that description, the script or the color prompt to then morph off into a science fiction piece. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, good. I think it's a good beginning and I look forward to chapter two. <laughs> so, um, Marsha, I have a question sure. about, about the dog. Yeah. Um, you have pants on the dog. No, I have pants well, on the, the trainer. As I say, the trainer says he's in purple, 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 purple oh, I, pants. I meant I to reference that too. It was confusing, Marcia. You were talking yeah. about the dog, and then you right, had and then then the trainer calls, and the trainer's coming in purple polka dotted pants. Okay, and does she have the vest on too? Uh, because it sounds like the dog has the vest. No, and the so, dog has the harness. The dog has the harness. The harness. The I trainer. got the harness. But you mentioned the vest, uh, yeah. and I thought a guide dog doesn't wear a vest. No, 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 no. What I said is he has had a blazer, and a pink and per and pink and per uh, pink and polka dot pants. The, the trainer. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's what I said. Look, the trainer. Look at that part again when you when you revise because it's the it's not clear. It was oh. it was confusing to me too. I knew oh. you meant the human, but it sounded like. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I could. It sounded yeah, I, like the dog, and I knew it couldn't be the dog wearing that outfit. So no, yeah. uh, the transition wasn't clear. Uh, right, because I thought I had read. You know, the trainer was wearing the pink, purple. You know, the pink. Right. Purple, yeah. 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 So just and, look at that. And yeah. did you, oh, I will. Oh, I will. You know. Did you did you mention that the trainer was a man in that beginning part? Um. Yes, I did because remember okay. she says, "Hold it, Mister Bristle. You know, hold your horse." Oh, right, 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 right. I remember now. Yep. Okay. <laughs> cool. Oh, yeah, great. I think it's a really interesting beginning. Um, yeah. So, Becky, no. 
What have you got? <clears throat> oh, can is it, this is Helen? Can I just um toss in a um, thought a little bit? Yeah. <clears throat> um, oh, yeah. yeah th- um, really intriguing, and I can't wait to find out what happens. Um, <laughs> I think I feel like it. There's something I don't know how to put words to this exactly, <laughs> but it feels like I kind of yearn for more, um, more potent description of um, the dog and her relationship with the dog um, it, as a you know, precursor and sort of um, uh, um, making more vital that relationship and that situation as a lead up to the, um, as a lead up to the uh, Okay, on. then I could possibly make it clear that it's coming from a guide dog school. Well, it's yeah. it's more like, um, and when I listened to it, I thought, well, maybe she didn't put a lot of relationship or a lot of um, mm-hmm. uh, it, um, content or like descriptive content on purpose in order for what happens next that we actually heard to become really heightened and excited. So I'm not saying that you should do this, but I'm just saying, cause it could just be that the contrast works really well, but I think right, what right. I wanted to hear more about was the dog being thankful, like sort of more um, in order to have it be more to sort of a sci-fi ish kind of thing is give, give more of a feeling of our being able to understand dogs and that the, the dog was thinking, you know, just a little bit more. Ah, like, a little bit more stuff from the dog's point of view, perhaps. Kind of, yeah, to sort of um, excite us from the get-go. Um, because I just, I, I wasn't, I didn't feel drawn into it very much at the beginning, but then it started moving into this place of intrigue. And again, maybe that's how you wanted it to be. But if you, but if not, but you know, that's just my own well, feeling. Yeah, well, that's that's I, I think, that's good that you're giving me some some real good uh, some stuff there. Yeah, I think Helen's onto something, and I think you know what's happening is, as you said yourself, what you're used to writing is an essay form, and mm-hmm. so in essay you tell, and in fiction you show. So. Right. We, if you show us a little bit more of the the dog human relationship, we're going to care more. Um, ah, okay. about, that's very well put. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I was trying to say, but couldn't exactly say it because, well, I could have, but I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings that I'm. Yeah, well, no, you. You help me. What would be in any writer's room? Good grief! Yeah. Okay. No, you help figure it out because I thought something's missing but I couldn't articulate it it felt but I now I, I I've, I've got it it's too it's too fact driven there was this, yeah. and this and this and this and this but you're not showing me you know let, let the dog do some you know licking or you know whatever <laughs> oh, well yeah. yeah yeah eating or eating the grass I mean, yeah. a dog uh, lying yeah, in the grass. They love to do, and then they go, you know, then they <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a little vomit in there. That's that's a bit. Uh, and, and having <laughs> and having had six dogs, I know exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I mean, there's something to that because think about it. Those of us who have been parents or dog owners know that when you really love, they can puke all over you, and it's all right. So actually, that's kind <laughs> really? of funny. But you know, like. Yeah. Um, that that might be part of how it you just happens. Yeah. 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 yeah, and I was I was trying to be I was trying to be cautious because I didn't want to give you content to write. It's just more <laughs> kind of I in order to stay engaged, I was taking notes on the on the beginning part of it. I was like, okay, what can I pay attention to? I was trying to focus myself. But then as soon as it became, you know, ooh, what's going to happen? Then I stopped having to take notes and stayed engaged. So, yeah. Well, yeah. You got an awful lot of good stuff for me to really think about yeah. and, and try oh, to, geez. you know, revise and play around with it. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see what Becky's got. Okay. This is just a little whimsical thing. I don't intend to, I have no idea what to do with it. It's called Hitching a Ride. Can you hear me okay? Yes. yes. Okay, because yes. my, my computer made it. Okay, Hitching a Ride. Hello, lady. Would you like a ride? I stopped, as they say, in my tracks, bringing my white cane close to my body, out of the way, since I wasn't using it. Oddly, the ball of it contacted something soft and big, and well connected to something tall and narrow and long, mm-hmm. like a leg. But <laughs> not a human leg. This being stood as tall as my shoulder. Maybe I'm going crazy. It smelled a bit animally, sort of horsey, but not overpowering, actually, if you'll believe me, like a horse which had just had a bath. Sorry to have startled you, a voice said in my head. You've really been concentrating, and I thought perhaps you'd like a break from walking. What? Who? Don't be afraid. Reach out and touch me. I reached out and touched soft fur, and beneath it, I felt ribs, but not sticky-outy ribs like on an animal that hadn't been fed for a long time. How long have you been here? Where did you come from? Surely my senses were getting dull if some sort of animal as big as a horse could stand beside me for a while and I'd be totally clueless what was happening to my echolocation skills. This could really be bad. I'm here to give you a ride, if you want one, that is. The voice spoke in my head again. Why isn't anyone stopping? I asked. After all, you're rather too large to escape notice. You didn't, you didn't notice me, but I'm, I ought to have at least figured out that I wasn't out here alone on the sidewalk. Don't give yourself grief. No one's perfect, at least not in the human realm. And let me tell you, I've been intimately involved with humans for a long, long time. Okay, I said, surprising myself beyond all imagining. I'll have to bring my white cane up when I get on your back. I need to listen for traffic so I can tell you when the lights in our, I mean, my favor. Just then I heard a woman's steps approaching. How in the world could this all turn out? Panic rose inside me. 
Honey, did you say something to me? The woman asked as she came closer. That's okay. You don't need to move your cane or yourself out of the way. There's plenty of room to pass. But I thought you needed some kind of help. You being out here on the sidewalk and all. And all? What do you mean by and all? I, I inquired. And all? It's just an expression. You can't have lived here and not heard that. Oh, yes, yes. It's true. I have heard that. I'm fine. Thanks for stopping. You're welcome. You have a good afternoon. And her shoes clicked away. So here I was with an invisible, some kind of animal that I, I could touch, but that the woman couldn't see. Clear thinking was now beyond me. Let's get going, I said shortly. This is all getting to be too much for me. How can I get on your back? And what in the world would any observer think seeing me making contortions when there's nothing to contort with or to? Oh, gosh. How long would this go on? Just grab my horn. I'll put my head down and to the side so you can reach. Won't that hurt? No, unicorns are bred to be strong and supple. Hold on now, here we go. No saddle, no reins. Who would be in charge of on this trip? Where do you wish to go? Just to the trip to the strip mall on Main Street at Vine. That's all. Where did you think I might be going? The unicorn stopped, stuttered and stammered in my head, suddenly seeming to lose her or his composure. A person choosing to ride on a mythical animal ought to have a far less plebeian destination than me. Are you disappointed? No, not exactly, just surprised. To tell the truth, I'd love to go into a far different place, but day-to-day and human life demands that I stay here and make this plebeian trip, as you call it. Inside my head, I heard a gusty sigh. Hold tight. I hope I can stop fast enough. If we overshoot the strip mall by 2,000 miles or a few centuries or galaxies, will you be all right with that? Suddenly, all of this felt too complicated. I slid down from the unicorn's back. What's your name? I asked. Gwendolyn. Stopping to give me a ride was so kind of you, Gwendolyn, but I'm not sure this will work for either of us. I reached out to pet Gwendolyn, but only air touched my fingers. Okay, I thought, who needs a disgruntled unicorn? Guess I'll add it to the unfavorable. I'll just add to her unfavorable opinion of humanity. That's it. Uh Uh-huh. And so it's there you were. Out <laughs> oh. in the middle of the sidewalk and all. And all. And all. Where were <laughs> I was just driving it for fun. <clears throat> it doesn't have any point, really. Beyond. I think you should title it oh. Another Twist on COVID Brain. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> I've been hearing more and more people talk about, you know, the broken brain of COVID, you know, that we we think differently, oh, you know. We have, ah. and, and so that's what it is. It's 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 a um, a uh, uh, something that has come forth from the COVID brain. I think it's a. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I, I, Thank I, you. Yeah, it's great. 
I like the I like the way you started off with um, dialogue. Right, right off that. That's a good start. Thank you. Mhm. Yeah, Becky, I I see. Um, I hear a children's story in this. Oh, that's an interesting thought. Because it it has some nice um, has a lot of nice interactions of being polite and grateful and asking um is this all right with you and you know taking some risks and not being sure what's going to happen and I feel like yeah I feel like this you know could be a really rich uh children's story of some sort whether illustrated or or something I think it'd be beautiful and what's nice about it is too Going along with that, thinking there is, it does have that kind of feel to it, you know, appropriate language for children. It's nice. And mm-hmm. um, there, I've lamented my whole adult life that there is no um, acceptable, tolerable children's literature uh, that features people with disabilities, particularly that features blind people. And it's yeah. so cool because the blindness is so incidental. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, it's there, but it's, it's not the story. Mm-hmm. You know? And I just, I love that. I love that, that, you know, you're there with your white cane, but it's not, it's not really about blindness and it's not really about white canes. It just happens to be who our heroine is, is somebody who's got a white cane. You know, I, I don't know. I like it. Yeah. I like nicely it. put. That's nicely put. Yeah. Thank you. So get on writer's market, find yourself an illustrator. <laughs> That's how these things work. Yeah. Find yourself an illustrator. Really. It's just a really cute story. Mm-hmm. What you I know, thought was maybe for a blind child, like, a kid that's learning to use a cane. I mean, I know kids learn that much earlier now, but right, just I don't. Know. Oh I yeah, think- yeah. Little where 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 they have savvy parents and teachers around and stuff. Kids are getting canes when they're like three years old now. Uh huh. Yeah, really tiny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Folks, I'm so sorry. I have to jump off and um, do some stuff with my partner, but. Um, so th- I just have to jump off, but thank you. This was lovely. And I will look forward to next month and anything oh, else we do in between. It was really valuable and it was really lovely meeting and listening to, and getting to, you know, getting to know you all better. So awesome. Well, I'm really yeah. glad you joined us. Yeah. Well, thank you for inviting me, Deborah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you came. It was nice to meet you. Stay safe and healthy and have good holidays. Oh, thank you, too. May Santa, whoever, be good to you all. (laughs) Stay safe. Thank you, folks. See you soon. All right. Good night. Thinking this was just such a perfect little group tonight. I'm feeling all happy. (laughs) I don't know. I guess, you know, like maybe we're all kind of in slow-mo this is a hyper time of year but not for me right now so <laughs> um so what are you anyway. going to be up to this christmas um i think i'm in cincinnati and i think um the plan at present is that i'm going to i have one daughter who lives here a good distance away and the plan at present is that i'm going there and going to spend the night with them but i told her no that 
at even the last minute, I might change my mind. And if I do, I'm okay. I Being alone on Christmas isn't my idea of a good time, but if my instinct tells me that's what I need to do, that's what I'm going to do. So that's my so story. You would, you would stay in your apartment in Cincinnati. You don't mean you would hop on a plane and go down to back down no, to Florida. No, 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 no. Going, oh, okay. going to Florida to my other kids is out of the question. I'm not doing that. Yeah. So I'm either, cause you know, the, the numbers, the COVID numbers are just soaring and you they know, are, it's just scary. Yeah. I'm not going to ask. Yeah, for well, California is really locking it tight. Yeah. That's yeah. what I've heard. Yeah. So, how are you doing are you are you getting what you need you have people to help you actually a lot of the stuff i've been getting i've been getting it via delivery hey you know as far as shopping and that kind of thing i had to try and get somebody from the front desk to come in and help me sign a document um because unfortunately I might've said something and I didn't know I might've said something, but Ira put me under a 30 day suspension. <gasps> oh my gosh. Oh dear. Oh dear. You know, so I am, thank God I am only, let's see. I'm supposed to be off of cyber jail. I'm supposed to be mm -hmm. out of cyber jail as I call it. Um, on the 25th of December. So I've still got mm, 13 days to go. <laughs> so you got mad at an agent? Is that? No, I didn't get mad at an agent. I was telling a story, and I guess um, a lot of people have a hard time with it, is because when I tell stories, I tend to speak in the voices of the characters that I am portraying because that's the way it has been done through time, uh, clear back to the time of the griots before there was ever a written language. This is Becky. Can I interrupt for just a second? I need to go. So I'm going to head out while you two go ahead and finish because somebody's calling me and I need to go check in with that person. Okay, ah. Becky, I'm so glad you were here. I love your story. And uh, yeah, so I hope you'll come back. Thank yeah. you. Merry Christmas. Happy yeah. New Year. Whatever. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. So, Marsha, give us the short version because remember, this is being recorded. Right. Oh, I understand. Okay. Well, anyway, um, I tend to do things in the voice of the characters. And I guess I did that. And and uh, the lead analyst or the head of customer experience must have been listening to it and thought I was being in ra uh, racist when I really was not intending to be that at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the time all of us, you know, that I, I get that. And unfortunately, I think erring on the side of super cautious is the right thing to do. That's what we all need to do right now. Yeah. There's, you know, it's, um, but then my feeling is how on earth, you know, part of, uh, 
storytelling as I see it, and I could be totally wrong here, but part of um, telling a story is to make that story authentic. And in many ways in making uh, something authentic, you do speak in the voices and patterns of, of the characters you, that you're talking about. Yeah, well, part of it is you have to be mindful of your audience. You know, I mean, for example, I, I was telling a friend about a story I heard on NPR the other night, which was just so wonderful. And Susan Stamberg, whom I adore, mm-hmm. you know, made a joke about, you know, she was pronouncing a word one way and her partner said, pronounce it the other way. And she said, ah, two Jews, seven opinions. And it was hilarious. But I think she she knew that it was in a context that she could say that and be understood. And, right. you know, and I was repeating it to my friend who's not Jewish, but who's married to a woman who's Jewish. And he then proceeded. He said, well, since you brought that up, let me tell you the only two Jewish jokes that I know how to tell that he had learned from his wife. And they were very funny, but the same kind of thing. You have to know your audience. And so when in the context of Ira, gosh, I mean, people are from all over the. You know, the, the, the agent herself or the agent himself uh, was laughing uproariously. Okay. But apparently uh, when the yeah. customer experience person heard it, she didn't think it was funny. I don't know. You got all kinds of things to write stories about, Marsha. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so now I'm, I'm almost, thank God, it's only... Um, uh, tomorrow will only be 12 more days in cyber jail. <laughs> oh, it's pretty funny that your day out is Christmas Day. That's kind of funny. Yeah. So that, there you go for horrible. a title. There won't be any customer care people around so I can actually <laughs> get reinstated. So I, I can see it now. My 30 days in, in cyber jail. That can be the yeah. title. <laughs> yeah, or twelve well, more deals. Yeah, that might that might be my next essay. I don't know. <laughs> I am going to end our recording if I can remember the keystroke. <laughs> uh, maybe I don't.